0: This is Dennis Ramondi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Uh, Our guest today, Dr. Marge Britt. Our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Dr. Britt is a mystic in the world with love as the center of her life. She has guided many uh, in the finding purpose, passion, and destiny in five decades of public education and unity ministry. Uh, Marge, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on our show today.
1: It's a joy to be here.
0: Good to
2: have you with us, Marge. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I've known you for a number of years, uh, first in your capacity as the senior minister at uh, Unity of Tustin. I remember interviewing you for American Veda back in the day (laughs) and... and, um, teaching myself and speaking at Unity, and it was always such a pleasure to see you, and I did. Tell us, uh, for the sake of listeners who don't know you, and we'll be talking about your new book, Your Soul's Invisible Codes, but tell us about your spiritual journey briefly, how you came uh, to be called to ministry and um, the evolutionary
1: path that 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 entailed. My path is somewhat... Uh, similar to some and very, very different from others who are in the roles now of uh, new thought leadership or ministry at these levels, the mystical levels, because my path started in a very fundamentalist path and and setting. And I was born and raised as a Seventh-day Adventist, which is a very rules and regs oriented culture and to have had spirit catapult me into the realms in which I now live and move and have my being is one of the great delights and joys of my life. To live in the mystical consciousness, the stillness with love as the center of my life uh, and living and breathing that uh, is is so important to me. And that in part is why I wrote the book, Your Soul's Invisible Codes, because I believe that everyone's life is a sacred love story. And if we see through the eyes of the soul, we see through the eyes of love, not through the eyes of the human mind, not through the pain or the suffering. Although that those kinds of events can catapult us into next events and next events, so uh, it's a joy to be with you, Phil. You and I go back a long way and uh, have had parallel paths, and including uh, our connections with Yogananda.
0: Well, of it, I yeah.
1: I didn't grow up in a fundamentalist. Uh. <laughs>
2: They were fundamentalist atheists, if anything, in my family.
0: A funda- <laughs> fundamentalist you, is a fundamentalist nonetheless. Uh, atheists have their rules and regulations as well. <laughs> uh, and Marge, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, you're uh, uh, going into mysticism, Your uh, that part of your mystical part of your life. Was that something that came from a experience? Uh, if it was an experience, was it the result of some uh, procedure or spiritual technique you were doing, uh, or it, did it come another way to you?
1: It came through an experience of immense grief, as something that I didn't want. It it happened uh, thirty five years ago, and uh, it was I was going through a, a a time of a divorce that I desperately did not want, and really yearning for. Uh, an awareness that was higher than the pain that I was feeling. And uh, and it came in a, a moment of a human plane kind of setting, an interview, and it had to do uh, uh, with that <laughs> offering and mm-hmm. a question. Uh, the experience came as the room filling with light Uh, and hearing a voice close your eyes, Marge and, and the voice asked me a question if you could do anything in the world what would you do? And tears streaming down my face I heard myself speaking the words I would be a minister. Wow. Now the reality of that is that on the human plane, I had never, ever, even thought of that. I was married to a minister, and that was what the divorce was happening in the mm-hmm. realm of. <laughs> um, and that I would be a minister, and then the person sitting with me in the room said, "You know, if you really mean that Marge, go down the hall right now. The deadlines." for applications to ministerial school are three weeks away. And it happened that fast.
2: And was that uh, ministry unity or was it uh, a, a more conventional uh, Oh no, that was
1: unity ministry. I was attending a unity church. I see. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, <clears throat> unity ministry. And so i would Known for many many years that I was called by God, the second happening that was uh, clearly what I now call a download was after I resigned from the platform at Unity of Tustin and um, and sitting in front of uh, the mirror, curling my hair, absolutely not even thinking about anything related to it. Uh, I had this second kind of uh, experience that was beyond the normal, and that was the awareness, this kind of voice experience. It is not an audible voice, but an inner voice that said, your concept of God is too limited. You are now called by love. Could you elaborate on that? <clears throat> well, my my human <laughs> self said, what does that mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got no further answers. That night I was awakened in my sleep. And with the awareness to, of needing to go to my computer and begin to write, and and I'm not one that scribes or even writes on my computer. And finally, I could not go back. So I got up and went to my computer and thought maybe a paragraph about that whole thing, about you are now called by love. And literally, 10 pages came through about what that meant. And it, it just... I had never thought about these things. It included writing a book. and included other things. I, but it was totally, totally, totally beyond my human mind. So two experiences that are very otherworldly for me that have been part of my call.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Mar- Marge, uh, your book title, uh, Your Soul's Invisible Codes, Unveiling Your Sacred Love Story, uh, how, how do you define love, and, and when you say sacred love, are there other types of love other than sacred love? Yes. And explain, elaborate on that.
1: There's uh, <clears throat> it, well, it's sort of a yes and no because I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with David Hawkins' map of consciousness. But the, the God view on his map of consciousness goes all of the way uh, from zero to a thousand. And different views of God, depending on where you are in your own evolution of consciousness. And what I realize now is that love is the same. Different views of love, depending on where you are in your own developmental Stages or evolution of consciousness. So your experience of love is very different when you're a small child or even an infant. It's a receiving kind of energy. Uh, you go through ego stages where your experience of love is very different. You go in into uh, the realms that are uh, what, in uh, unity terms, we would call metaphysical. And that includes thinking and feeling and esoteric teachings and and but they're still somewhat cognitive in these realms and and uh, the views of love become very different. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the mystical realms, which are causal or what I'm now calling in my research meta-aware, and the realms of love become very very vast. And very, very different. They're non-possessive. They're kinds of things that are in some of the earlier realms, like possessiveness or jealousy or anger and rage at um, levels that take one into unconscious behavior. Simply dissolve into awarenesses of love of the all that is. It's right. a universal love.
0: Right. Let Let me ask a follow up question if I can, and that is, um, how, how do you define love? Then is it is it a psychophysiological state? Is it a feeling that you have like much much more think of love, oh I love my my, my child, I love my daughter, I love my wife uh, and it's it's uh, some feeling in the heart that you might have or is it something uh, uh, different than that or more than that and uh, do you reach a stage do you evol- can you evolve to a state when you talk about sacred love where that love is always there and is it is it experiential is it below the surface? I'm trying to understand what is meant by I'm at a stage in my life where I'm questioning everything, and when, and I use the word love all the time. But but what's really meant by it? What do you mean by it?
1: It's about all of that, and if you have some awareness of consciousness, which I'm sure you do, you begin to understand that that it's almost like the concept of the Russian dolls or the mm-hmm. concentric circles okay. that it it becomes vaster and. And so all of that is included, love of your spouse, love of your children, love of your... And it moves into love of a a profession or a calling. It moves into a vastness that includes love in the all that is. And and that love moves from being foreground at times and being experienced Mm -hmm. as a bliss state... Uh, or even a static state to background where it moves into a piece that passes understanding. Mm-hmm. But it's, a, it's like the foundation of everything. Everything.
2: Now, that leads to the question I wanted you to elaborate on before, so I'm going to ask it now. Um, when you had that, Uh, experience of a voice telling you your concept of God has been too limited. You are now called by love. How was it limited, and how is your concept of God different from your concept of love when God is love in many uh, ways
1: of uh, perceiving these things? And I had taught God as love. I, I the Jesus is my guru <laughs> as Yogananda it plays one of those roles of guru for you, uh, Phil. Um, uh, and, and yet what I realize now is that I knew all of the words. I even quoted the scriptures. Uh, the Father and I are one. The things that I do, you will do also, and even greater things. And I, if I am lifted up, I will lift all others unto me. And yet, they were not experiential levels of awareness. They were, they were static, cognitive levels of awareness. And what I'm beginning to realize now and I would use the word realize with a capital R, is that that is a lived experience. It is an experience that is the ground of our being. And it's the above and the below. And it allows us to move into settings in life that seem pretty hard sometimes to go through and not lose that center. And if we do lose the center, often, and this is this has been a lifesaver for me in some of the experiences that I've had um, in just recent times, uh, that there will be significant teachers who show up again on our path. Mm-hmm. For example, the last time you and I connected, Phil, that was that, that one of those kind of moments mm-hmm. to remind us of that which we are. I am that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Marge, uh, <laughs> on your website, uh, I was going through it and one of the things you, you, that's listed is influential master teachers uh, that have uh, had an influence on you. You mentioned Kel, yes. Ken, Ken Wilber, Andrew Harvey, uh, Llewellyn Von Lee, uh, and uh, Byron Katie, and, and the list goes on. Uh, who are, was there one uh, master teacher that had uh, the most significant influence on you or were there two or three that really stood out?
1: Well, I think the interesting thing in my journey is that there hasn't been just one mm-hmm. master teacher. It's almost as if I've had a lifetime of significant teachers. And it, I, I love to call it a thousand piece puzzle. And And each of the teachers were masters in their realms, and some of them were in different spiritual paths. Um, Buddhism, Hinduism, Mm -hmm. uh, Christianity. Uh, Andrew Harvey had the uh, experience of multiple paths, as I have now. And so if I had to choose just one that has been... Uh, an ongoing significant teacher, certainly it would be Andrew Harvey. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Harvey actually wrote the foreword to my book. And Andrew Harvey was the one that um, has said to me many times, Marge, you've got to write a book. And you must write a book, Marge. And I said, I know it's coming, Andrew, and, but I never wrote it. And then I went to a retreat with him, a week-long retreat on the mystical marriage uh, that was at the Institute of Noetic Science. And, and he was doing his last day, and in that last day of that retreat was a vows ceremony where you actually wrote the vows, you allowed them to be given to you from beyond the human mind, the vows with the inner beloved or the outer beloved in the world, whether it's your work in the world or a significant other. I, I, this was not a prescription. This was something for you to discover in your own being. And I wrote those vows. I spoke those vows in that setting. And afterwards, Andrew said to me, let's go find a place where we can talk. We need to have a conversation. And And we found a quiet place with no one else around. And, for about an hour and and literally about 15 minutes in, it started downloading through him and I had my journal in front of me and I was writing as fast as I could. And one of the things that he was saying is you must write your book. You must, in this next year, you must write your book. And I made the commitment. <clears throat> Andrew can be very persuasive yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> i i should tell our listeners uh since we're talking about such people that uh if you look in our archive you'll find an interview with Andrew Harvey and also one with Ken Wilber march uh along those lines um I, I remember when you announced your retirement after 19 years of ministry uh uh during which i should say you you took that little church and uh um, transformed it into what you call the campus of consciousness, and it was an extraordinary uh, place for a wide variety of teachers and teachings to have a platform. And I always admired that. And so when you when you retired, I thought, well, she's she's finished with uh, that kind of public life, and I I, I uh, had a image of you retiring to the desert to meditate and uh, commune with, with the divine. And then suddenly there was a book, Your Soul's Invisible Codes. There's a website called by com, And so you evidently were not going quietly into a retirement. Was that the
1: plan or did that happen after that rehab. happened, my plan, now I realize it was a human plan, was to retire to the <laughs> desert. <laughs> and literally I have another home in the desert and and my plan was to retire and move to the desert and and uh and and then life happened. And uh, the book tells a little of this story—the death of my beloved. Uh, The desert didn't seem like the same kind of attracting um, field for me uh, after his death. And even though I still have that home and I still love to go out there, it's like a love sanctuary. Um, And but clearly, I was being called to other other things, and the first thing that happened was the tele-summit, Living, Loving Legacy. Andrew was on it, Andrew Harvey was on it, uh, Adyashante, all of whom had said the kinds of things that you just said, Phil. The campus of consciousness was something they have never seen anywhere else, and all of their experiences and travels as spiritual teachers, and how rare it was, and, and I, and I, w- I felt this inner knowing that I was supposed to do a telesummit, and I didn't have a clue how to do a telesummit. And suddenly, and this is how I think it works, the universe began to bring all of the pieces into place. A virtual assistant who had been a virtual assistant in one of the uh, training courses I had taken with a coach, George Cow was his name. I it called me and and said, "Would you be a mastermind partner with me?" And uh, I, I, she still is my virtual assistant. She's still putting everything together relative to the virtual world. And uh, I don't I've only met her once. <laughs> it's like the universe put it together. And the universe said, I mean, brought the end of my awareness, the master teachers to invite, and they said, yes, people that are incredible, and and it happened. So, and the same thing happened with Called by Love Institute, it's happening now with the Love Stages uh, work and uh, the development of the Love Stages inventory, so... <clears throat> My human self doesn't know how to do all of this. Right. My I'm really aware of this connection that I, I call uh, alignment, aligned with this higher vibration, and it's sitting in the stillness. I don't do traditional meditation any longer. I call, I live the stillness. Um, it, it, it downloads,
0: it comes, mm-hmm. it guides me. Uh, Marge, you mentioned before that your main guru was uh, uh, was Jesus Christ. And, and I'm wondering, is that because you grew up a Christian? Uh, what is it about, uh, uh, about Christ that makes you uh, put him on a level where he is your master, master teacher? Uh,
1: it's probably that it was the imprint that I was born with mm-hmm. and grew uh, up in. Uh, I also realize that the Seventh-day Adventist tradition has a lot in common with ancient Judaism. A lot of the rules (laughs) are reflective. They mirror each other, uh, including the Seventh-day as uh, the day of worship. And um, and Boulder is my hometown. Uh, It also includes things like the Integral um, community Ken Wilbur lived there for many years mm-hmm. so there's there's all of that dancing together but you know I remember in my childhood loving the music what a friend we have in Jesus the website now has called by love with Dr. Marge Britt and friends what that means is very significant to me it's like, it's this level Jesus talking about, you call me teacher and I call you friends. Hmm. Interesting. Marsh. Uh,
2: let's talk a little bit about uh, your book, Your Soul's Invisible Codes. Uh, tell us what the origin of that was and uh, what
1: you'd like people to know about the book. The book has three the potential of three love stories in it. Two of them are in writing, and one of them is in invitation. Uh, The first love story is uh, the framework of the invisible codes. I call them invisible codes because this happened in the first six weeks of my being in seminary. And one of my teachers, an example of the multiple teachers, um, was a unity minister who was a radical revolutionary in the unity movement. And uh, it, it, and he was getting ready to teach the seven days of creation, mystically understood, he said, uh, and meta- metaphysically understood. And he began, and as he began teaching that, I began getting what I didn't understand. I had no name for it. It was what I called the God chills going all through my body. If I were to give it language now, I would call it a Kundalini experience. I knew that my life would be about teaching the things we don't understand yet that he was going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And it was those codes uh, that are described in Genesis, the first chapter, as the seven days of creation. So the book is centered around the codes of those seven days, described as it's the integrating the, the things that are part of each of them. And what I do, which is very rare and unusual and not understood by very many people, is I weave in science and and uh, philosophy and uh, many uh, other spiritual teachers. So I bring in a lot of integral teachings, a lot of spiral dynamics, and a lot of what I know from education and educational development. and And I weave it all into these pillars of these seven codes using glimpses of of my own life. So it starts in, and I invite people to create a map of their own life, a map Mm -hmm. of their own sacred love story. And what I believe is that all of our life, 100% of it, is a sacred love story. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't totally become conscious until we move into that stage that i think you were alluding to dennis when you asked uh about there was there a moment that some have called awakening mm-hmm.
0: but Marge, so does
1: that answer your question yeah,
0: yeah, yes it answers my question and i had one final question for you and then turn it over to phil and that is suppose let's imagine and it's probably happening somebody's listening to this podcast they hear what you're saying they're becoming inspired maybe they haven't Exposed, they haven't been exposed to much of spirituality before. They've been just busy with their lives, and they become very inspired, and they think, "I'd like to pursue a path uh, to to uh, a, a spiritual path." What and and they turn to you and ask you, "Where do I begin?" What would you say to them?
1: Well, one of the things I would invite them to do would be to get my book, right. because there's one or two blank pages after every short chapter. And it invites everyone with some prompt questions to begin to scribe, not write from the human mind, but scribe what they get from sitting in the stillness Mm -hmm. about the glimpses of when that love story occurred in their own life. And the other thing I would encourage them to do would be to begin to do a, a heart kind of search for what was drawing them. Different paths will draw different people. The path that I followed happened to be a unity path that took me into that mystical awareness. But what I realize now is that I went outside even of that box. And the book is an example of that. The book doesn't know quite where to live. Now, because it's not exactly unity, it's not exactly integral, it's not exactly spiral dynamics, and it weaves all of it together in ways that are personal and 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 beyond the personal, so that would be one suggestion, and then I would suggest, you know making some connections, oh my God, there's wonderful. Things available on the web now, and your podcast is one of them. And you interview teachers. People will hear your one of the scriptures that I love. Your sheep will hear your voice. Those were the words that Mm -hmm. were taught by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Your sheep hear your voice. You will hear the voice of your teacher when it's occurring. You will be drawn to it, and it it may not be me. It may not be Ken Wilbur. It may be someone else. Um, my gardener, <laughs> I was talking to a few minutes ago, uh, has a profound path in a fundamentalist church, and he loves doing my yard. My And he says, I feel like I'm doing the work of God when I come here. Mar,
2: speaking of gardening, um, I have two final questions for you. One, uh, I wanted you to uh, mention your upcoming uh, conference or uh, seminar retreat on Stages of Love. And um, I wanted to ask you about the phrase, a garden
1: amidst the flames. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, the upcoming retreat is Valentine's Week, and uh, it starts on February tenth. It's with uh, I'm I will be co-teaching with Terry O'Fallon, Kim Barta, and uh, myself. Three of us. Terry and Kim are involved in Stages International. Um, if you want to get information on that, it's stagesinternational.com, and that's where um, there will all of the registrations will go through. They have a vast platform that involves a lot of um, uh, integral, and and so it's going to be begin on the 10th of february or they can register on my platform which is called byloveinstitute.com we and
2: should we should <clears throat> excuse me specify for people listening in on the archive later on that we're talking about february 2019
1: yes no uh, that yes that's exactly right february 2019 uh, it, it <coughs> it's this we're in late December now, and it, it's uh, going to be wonderful. The first four days are going to be about the stages of love, how love grows up as we go through our own developmental stages from birth through adulthood, and, and how love wakes up as we wake up consciously in these stages of awakening. And there is a huge, monumental shift that occurs when that beginning, opening into awakening comes. People often going go into some times of confusion and question everything in their lives. Dennis,
0: always, mm-hmm. oh, it, it never ends. <laughs> and
1: Marge, that wonderful image
2: of a garden amidst the flames. You know, we're actually talking now uh, with large parts of California literally in
0: flames. Mm-hmm.
2: And much of the world feeling uh, as if, you know, inflamed
0: with anger
2: and hatred and fear. Uh, what, what is that phrase, garden amidst the flames, briefly, because we're running out of time?
1: It comes from a Sufi mystic, uh, Ibn Arabi. And let me just, it's very short. Let me quote it to you. Oh, oh marvel, a garden amidst the flames. My heart has been capable, has become capable of every form. It is a pasture for gazelles and a convent for Christian monks and a temple for idols and the pilgrim's kabah and the tables, tables, tables of the Torah and the book of the Koran. I follow the religion of love, whatever way loves camel. Takes. that is my religion and my faith and andrew harvey actually quoted that poem one time to me when we were walking through the garden at unity of tustin and he said oh marge this is the garden amidst the flames. Yeah. Well, how wonderful Beautiful. that's great what a
2: great way to end great. and um I'm sure if people Google Garden of Flames and Mm -hmm. Ibn al-Arabi, they'll find that
0: quote. And again, the book, Your Soul's Invisible Codes, Unveiling Your Sacred Love Story, Dr. Marge Britt, foreword by Andrew Harvey. Thank you so very, very much for taking the time to speak with us today.
1: Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you for all that you do.
0: Thanks, Marge.
2: Always great to talk to you sending much love